0: motels the resorts the guides to give us a better idea of where people are going what they're doing what they're finding outdoors well pat what's cooking outdoors this week
1: thanks doug as we check elsewhere around north dakota it seems the prairie winds continue posing issues for getting on the water at times but overall devil's lake anglers continue enjoying fair to good walleye success using slip bobbers in shallow water However, it doesn't hurt to also try switching to bottom bouncers or vertical jigging in deeper water. Walleye success is generally good throughout much of the lake, with a lot of activity on the west side, increasing activity on the east side, and anglers are still finding success in those northern feeder lakes. Perch remain the topic on Lake Ashtabula, with some walleye still showing up, but overall the perch have been most active this year. Jamestown and Pipestem Reservoirs are offering a mix of crappie, perch, and walleye. Farther west, water levels on the Missouri River and going downstream towards Lake Owahi, south of Bismarck-Mandan, remain lower than normal, so access is more challenging south of the capital city. There's also a lot of recreational boating activity in the area. So anglers are working farther north on the river or accessing through South Dakota. Just remember you need a South Dakota license if you're going to put in there and then fish north. The trail race is still a little inconsistent for walleye following recent weather fronts. However, anglers continue finding lots of small walleye. Try jigs and minnows around what's nicknamed the blowout area or late-night hours in the chutes from boats. Look for fair-to-good catfish activity from boats during the day, and that's scattered throughout the river below Garrison Dam. Trout and salmon activity should pick up soon as we move deeper into the summer months. Try the boat ramp, rocks, or the Army Corps of Engineers campground from shore using night crawlers or minnows for both walleye and catfish. You'll find them during the day. At night, try crankbaits from shore for walleye. Moving up and over Garrison Dam, Lake Sakakawea is improving for walleye on the east end, but it's still a little inconsistent. Try jigs in 8 to 10 feet around Douglas or Stanky Bays, Seven Sisters, or over west Indian Hills and Deepwater Bay. The best success seems to be along the north shore yet rather than the south side on the east end. Also, try spinners and bottom bouncers with night crawlers. The Van Hook Arm is definitely producing walleye with bigger sizes still coming from the southern end of the arm around the old original river channel. Try crankbaits or a variety of presentations, but there's a general switch to night crawlers. There's a lot of eater size fish close to the upper end of the arm using live bait presentations as well.
0: Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale and she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri.
2: Ed Hahn of the National Eagle Center in Wabasha, Minnesota. And uh we brought Ed on this morning because we are just a couple of days away from Bald Eagle Day on June 20th. And we're gonna talk about that, about the center, and about all that they have to offer there. Ed, welcome to Gone Outdoors.
3: Join you this morning.
2: It's great having you, Ed. And uh this is what a fun topic here. We were talking off-air that uh bald eagle day is June 20th. Tell us a little bit about what that means what is bald eagle day is is it just a random day or is it some date of significance
3: yeah well it really goes back to uh when the you know the first congress of the united states uh, back in the founding of the country back in the 1780s uh you know chose the bald eagle as the national symbol um it's actually not the national bird yet uh but it's the national symbol And uh, yeah, so really, that's what it's commemorating is uh, that designation chosen as the national symbol. It obviously appears on the Great Seal of the United States, uh, which people are pretty familiar with. Um, And of course, it also uh, has to do with when uh, the bald eagle was officially removed from the endangered species list back in 2007. So kind of a double feature there, double meaning to the day. And we mark it every June 20th.
2: Hey, Ed, I got a question for you. Um, you know, over the years, it seems like we're seeing more and more bald eagles. They're such a majestic creature. People stop what they're doing when they see one because it's it's so cool. But it seems to be more and more often. Uh, I think it is. Or maybe I'm just spending more time outdoors than I used to. But it seems like it's getting to be more and more often. Is the uh, population keep getting better and better?
3: Yes. Yep. Uh, you know, you're not imagining it. Uh, it is definitely that the population continues to rebound. Uh, several states uh, come out every year and they do official bald eagle counts. So every December or so, uh, states like Wisconsin, Kentucky, Illinois, their Department of Natural Resources will actually do nest surveys. So they're going out and seeing how many active nests there are. So they're going out in helicopters and planes and doing aerial surveys. And for several years running now, those states, uh, those are the ones that jump out at me anyway, have been reporting record numbers of, of eagles in those states. So the population is definitely increasing. And there's plenty of anecdotal evidence to go along with that. I mean, you're not alone in, in saying that you're seeing more eagles when you're out and about. But even in cities, we have people, a lot of guests that come here, uh, audiences online that are in the Twin Cities metro area, and they're always telling us, "Man, I'm seeing a lot of eagles on my commute to work. I'm, you know, driving on uh, 494 or whatever, or I'm, you know, over by one of the lakes, and suddenly we have an eagle's nest in our neighborhood that we never had before. So we're definitely seeing um, encroachment, I guess is what you would say, of of eagle populations." Uh, moving into areas that traditionally or historically we haven't observed them in. And really, that's a a pressure resulting from population densities. Uh, Bald eagles are a species that really needs a lot of space, especially during nesting season. They're going to defend a pretty... Pretty strong radius, I would say maybe a mile, mile and a half around an active nest site that they're going to defend as their territory. And so, as you have the, the population continue to grow, uh, that's going to start pushing them into more populated areas that people are living in. That again, we haven't seen uh, bald eagles in for quite a long time. Myself personally, I live in Winona, Minnesota, down in the southeast corner. And growing up in Winona, I never saw bald eagles, especially in town. And now, there's at least half a dozen that routinely hang out on Lake Winona. And I've even been driving through the center of town and I'm you know, i driving and I look up and I see eagles chasing each other over the city. Again, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I didn't see that. So they are back, You know, really doing well. There's still things out there in the environment um, that, that pose threats to them. This year, there was actually a lot of uh, coverage and concern about the avian flu that came through with the spring migration. Um, there were definitely reports of infected eagles being admitted to places like the University of Minnesota Raptor Center, uh, which is something they really didn't see in the last outbreak in 2015. Uh, but we do know that avian flu is pretty much 100% fatal in raptors. So once an eagle gets exposed to it, uh, that's going to be a death sentence and that can certainly impact the nests, which we saw this spring.
2: You know, Ed, I, uh, I want to come back to that avian flu conversation, but just what a, a impressive success story for these birds. You said earlier, was it 2007 that they were removed from the endangered species list? Correct. Yep. What 15 years. So 15 years they've gone from, uh, you know, just creeping out of the endangered species categorization. And now we're seeing them flourish and, and population increases. What a spectacular uh, success story. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Going back to the avian flu, uh, you know, here in in the Dakotas, we saw that affect many waterfowl. I know a lot of spring light goose hunters were seeing that out there. Would that be where a bald eagle might get, you know, infected or or contract that type of disease? Because I know they do feed on um, waterfowl uh, at some points in time.
3: Yeah, uh, so what happens, it's pretty interesting. So, what we do know is that avian flu is not an aerosol virus, so, it's not spread through the air. It is spread through contact with infected bodily fluids. So, you know, if it's being primarily uh, carried by the avian species, you know, your geese, your ducks, your swans, whoever else might be coming up uh, from the south during spring migration, uh, whenever they stop over and wherever that may be, Yeah, you may have, you know, an eagle that's feeding on a sick goose or a a sick duck, or maybe it comes across a carcass because they are scavengers as well. And then they eat that infected waterfowl. Now they're going to be infected because obviously they're going to be getting the blood and the mucus or whatever. Uh, So now they're infected. So that's how it's happening. And, you know, things like nesting season, they're obviously out there getting food for the young. So if they go out there and they're you know feeding on a, a goose or a duck and that bird just happened to be infected, well, now they're bringing it back to the nest and they're infecting the young as well. So we did see that happening this spring. Um, it didn't affect all nests, but it was certainly you know raising concerns um, for some eagle watchers, and rightfully so, because as far as we know, it is 100% fatal. Um, but at this point, I don't think this year's outbreak poses a significant, you know, long-term impact on the population. Uh, but it will be interesting to see, you know, what happens in in future years.
2: Ed, that's, um, that, is, that is definitely interesting. We've got about two minutes left in this segment. I don't want to uh, let that go by without talking about the National Eagle Center there in Wabasha. Tell us a little bit about your organization, your facility, and what you guys do there.
3: Yeah, well, we are a a museum and interpretive center located here in Wabasha, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. We are home to four bald eagle ambassadors, two males, two females. They are all permanently injured. So we are their caretakers, and we work with them to educate the public about eagles, the natural world, raptors, um, all those good things uh, that people are just fascinated by and, and excited to learn about. Uh, yes. We recently we recently reopened from a six-month uh, renovation. We have a major renovation and expansion of the center underway. And so anyone who has visited in previous years, if they visit this summer or moving forward, they're going to see a lot of changes in the center, uh, new exhibits, and uh, much improved uh, avian care space for the Eagle Ambassadors. It's all about the Eagles, and they now absolutely have a state-of-the-art facility.
2: So I will say, Ed, if uh, any of our listeners are anywhere near Wabasha, they should stop in. I've been there a couple of different times, and it is an amazing, amazing place. And it's really cool to see. So that's my little plug. Hopefully uh, some of our listeners will stop in sometime.
3: Well, we hope so. And and just to let them know, we are open daily, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m.
2: Fantastic. And is there a uh, website
0: they can go to get any information?
2: Absolutely. They can go to
3: nationaleaglecenter.org
0: Well it is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock and then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7 Until next time I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.